Lightspeed's first, what we'll call, roundup episode today. It's just going to be me and Mert. Solana had a pretty big week, to say the least, and I think that's one reason we wanted to start today. Our goal is to talk about some of the big topics that happened this week and just our thoughts in general. So, uh, Mert, you tweeted this week that Solana is back, and you gave like a big list. It was like six or seven items on why we're back and why you're so excited. I think Mm -hmm. a fun spot to start would be the Visa announcement. So to just give a backdrop, Visa has been playing around in crypto since at least 2019. I know they started doing stablecoin payments to some degree or pilots on the Ethereum blockchain. But now just this last week, they announced that they're bringing USDC settlement to Solana, which is huge news in itself that somebody like Visa is not only getting involved in Solana, but they're even going deeper into crypto. When you talk to the average person on the street and they're like, you're still in crypto, what's going on? There's no movements, right? Well, not only is Visa the biggest payment processing network in the world, they just, I think they processed $11 trillion last year. So Mert, I'm curious, what are your high level thoughts on this? Like, why is this such a big deal for Solana and the crypto space in general? Yeah, this announcement was pretty cool for two reasons for me. I mean, one was obviously, I mean, it's Visa and they're expanding to Solana and they're doing more for crypto. So it's not just for good for Solana, but it's good for crypto. But two is because um, I, I tweeted a few months ago, I believe in June, I was reading on, you know, wire isn't like, I was reading on the different payments uh, processors and I saw that Visa was using Ethereum for piloting some some things and I was looking at their use cases and I kind of tweeted like, hmm, like, why aren't they using Solana for this? It seems like a pretty obvious no-brainer because um, for people who don't know my background, I did work in the banking industry before and I also worked in um, fintech and so I've kind of worked in all kinds of different stacks of the payments um, infrastructure and engineering. And so Solana just seemed like a no-brainer for me. And um, so I tweeted that and um, <laughs> there's a, there's a, there was some uh, feedback from, uh, let's say, Ethereum-aligned folks who uh, I think the exact tweet was like, how delusional do you have to be to think that Visa would pick like Solana or uh, Ethereum's like killers or something like that and whatnot. And uh, the first thing I saw when I, or the first thing I did when I saw the announcement was I went back to that tweet uh, and and I replied with it. So that was that was fun. Um, but maybe some background is is useful here. When you like send money, um, let's say across the border, right? I think that's kind of the context of this integration. Like if I send, um, so I'm actually in Italy right now. If I send you money, Garrett, um, and let's say I do it through like a Italian bank or or whatnot, it actually has to take multiple hops. Um, it doesn't just directly go to you, which is feels like it's probably how it should be, but th- that's not how it happens. There's like different hops. Um, and those hops obviously maybe have different fees, different regulations. Uh, it's obviously doesn't work on the weekends. Uh, there's sort of like pretty bizarre kind of, um, uh, inefficiencies with that system. And so now if you use Solana for something like this, you basically pay no fee, right? Like the Solana's average fee is 0.00025, cents, um, or, or dollars. Um, and the block's finalized in 400 milliseconds. It's open 24-7, hopefully. Uh, and you can send money with just a direct, at the speed of the internet, with a direct connection. And that actually, not only is it better for like the merchants who can now get paid instantly instead of like having the money wait in their acquire account, but it's actually good for Visa because now they can save money 
uh, provided they use the infrastructure, right? And on Solana, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And, and I think totally tweeted this, like his dream is that like Visa will actually save money uh, using Solana, which is actually super feasible. And I think, um, you know, depending on how far they go with it, it's like Visa could actually save on their margins with this integration. Um, and now, of course, that's technical stuff, but the, my favorite part about this is kind of the narrative, right? Um, obviously, everybody already knows Bitcoin and Ethereum are the big boys. And Solana had been through the ringer this year, <laughs> right? I mean, FTX and, and, and outages and, you know, whatever other X thing that happened. And now to see a company that's essentially the leading provider in payments and, and rails in the world, right? Like, it's not just like a Western thing. Visa is global. Um, to see them utilize Solana is a huge stamp of approval to maybe some of the other people who have been sleeping on the network because of, you know, some superficial reasons. And, you know, this wasn't the first announcement. There was also announcements by Shopify, uh, MakerDAO, et cetera, et cetera. We'll get into that. But um, I think the tech we always knew would, you know, um, work with things like this and would enable use cases like this. But it was really that you need a few uh, spearheads, uh, some some pioneers in the field to get a stamp of approval. And that's essentially what Visa has done here. So pretty excited about that. Yeah, I agree. It's a it's a form of like social signaling when you have a company like that. It gives others like the heads up to or the thumbs up to go ahead and go through with that project. I just think about like an investment committee meeting, for example. And this is the whole like, you know, uh, you can buy IBM and you never get blamed for it. Uh, it's kind of the similar thing here. If you start building on Solana, I think the narrative that you're talking about is that it's developing this almost shelling point for payments on crypto rails, which maybe at one point tried to be Bitcoin, then they tried to do Lightning Network and then on Ethereum, but that uh, has, hasn't panned out one reason just because of the fees and the latency. Um, but it looks like Visa and others are starting to notice that that is something you can actually do on Solana today, which I think is really cool. I know some of the use cases they talked about is like global e-commerce, so payments like you talked about from country to country. Also, I think like part of it is that this is more or less focused on B2B. Um, it's not really the retail level yet. So at like some point you want to get where normal people like me and you are holding on to USDC and having a reason to spend actually at the POS, so the point of sale level. Um, and that would be like, if I go buy, I don't know, a t-shirt, I'm actually using USDC. The next thing that would be great to see is some type of application that takes off, almost like a Venmo or whatever it might be, where you have USDC sitting there and me and you want to spend it. But I think this is like that back end that's setting everything up. Oh, I saw this today, actually. So Coinbase tweeted, USDC is like the big, the, the number one used stablecoin in the US, at least. Um, I think Tether probably might be still worldwide based on volume. Um, but Coinbase tweeted that as of today, over 1 million verified Coinbase users now hold USDC, which is just awesome to see. They they obviously have a, a reason to be very bullish USDC. Not only did they have the partnership, they also bought into Circle itself. Um, but the more people that are holding on to USDC, the more people are getting paid in crypto, then this actually becomes a reality. Because I think one thing that's held people back is you saw this in 2018, 19, and even today, you hear these really cool use cases and how you can use smart contracts. It's almost like an escrow service, whereas like if A, B, and C happen, then do you know Y. Um, but the problem with that is you have to have all payments on chain. Like I, I worked at a company where we wanted to essentially use smart contracts to ensure that growers, like farmers that had wheat, barley, grain, were paid on time. And that was based on like payment terms. But you can only do that if you can convince the trader to actually use digital payments like using crypto or that smart contract doesn't come into play. But I think one way around that is you have someone like Visa in the back end who you have that trader who has no idea that they're even using USDC or crypto. It's going through Visa, which then that way you can almost like onboard it into crypto through there. 
So I don't know. I think there's a lot of interesting use cases here, but really it's such a big win for Solana. And I know we're in a little bit of a bubble mert here, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. but you're starting to only hear, like I hear Ethereum, Cosmos, and Solana. And a lot of what you hear in Cosmos is like, they're just trying to figure out like what they're going to do with the hub, but people are using it for app chains and like exploring that. But otherwise it seems like Ethereum and Solana has now established itself as almost like in that big three. And that's where everyone's looking to build. So I just think that's super exciting because if you were to talk about November, December this last year, I think people would have thought Solana is on its way out. And if anything, it feels like the community is stronger than ever and the narratives are building, but maybe the actual users haven't come to the chain yet. So it's almost like perception versus reality. There's still like that, that, uh, that difference, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, these systems these blockchains are technical systems i mean they're technical systems they're socio-economical plus technical i'm not sure what the, the term for that but they have the trifecta and a lot of discourse has been dominated obviously due to the communication medium that is x.com uh to be very sensational right like it's popular to say just bizarre things and get engagement for them whether they're true or not but like Somebody is established as Visa. They move enormous, enormous amounts of value over the year, every single day, every single second. But they also have a massive reputation. A company such as this would not just pick a blockchain because of some, you know, crypto Twitter narrative, right? They would do the work. They need to do research. They need to have their guys look at it. They need to test it. In fact, I'm pretty sure in the announcement it said that they've actually moved millions of dollars with this system and, and piloting um, phases already. There's the CT narrative, which you know um, we all play in, but then there's kind of the other, uh, maybe slightly more real version of, of the business side of these things. And it's good to see the asymmetry between perception and reality kind of um, shrink a little bit when it comes to Solana. Obviously, I've been talking about this for way too long at this point, um, but but um, I, I think it'll it'll only get. My guess is that with this announcement from Visa, I think probably the um, biggest benefit or maybe the most impact from it won't actually be for Visa or from Visa because I, I think that'll probably take some time, but it'll actually be to other people who are looking to build in crypto and they're like, wait a minute, if Visa's using Solana, like I should, I could probably consider it as well. Like maybe, maybe OX, you know, uh, altcoin trader 58 is not so correct about this after all, maybe I can, uh, uh, use this, use this blockchain to, to build my applications. And obviously there's like permissionless coming up, these breakpoint coming up, these conversations will start happening. Um, and you know, Actually, uh, while we're on the topic of Coinbase, I saw that base went down, um, was it two days ago? Mm. And so, and uh, and I think Polygon like just literally restarted the other day or like yesterday for maintenance. So you can kind of see like these L2s that have been kind of promised as some, some grand triumph in scaling um, will work eventually. But right now it's not really close in my view. Like right now, if you want to build a product and you want to scale and you want to just focus on the product instead of, you know, your app chains details or, you know, your roll ups, fraud proofs or like whatever, you can just like you basically have no option in my view other than you build on Solana. Now you can build maybe an app chain, but that'll require some um, expertise and, 
you know, we had Marius on the show um, a couple of days ago where he talked about how if you build an app chain, you actually have to bootstrap this economy for this this network all by yourself. And that's just not going to like if you're just a product guy and you're like, OK, I have, a, I have an idea. I, have an, I, have, I want to iterate. I want to ship it, deploy it, get feedback from users, create value. Solana just seems to me like the only real feasible choice at this moment. And um, hopefully people will start seeing that more uh, with this news. Yeah, yeah, I hundred percent agree with you. I feel like that's a little bit of a uh, we could pivot into Rune's post talking about forking the Solana SVM code base because um, that has to do with building an app chain, right? But what's so interesting about this is you have someone that's native to Ethereum. I think he's been—I don't know when Maker started, but he was start starting to look into something like MakerDAO since like 2014. Um, so he's a complete OG that's been in this space a long time, and I'm sure everyone knows this. Quick overview: Essentially, MakerDAO has an end game where they—it's like, where's MakerDAO going to go from here? And three years out. Rune is saying that they need to have their own chain. And the main reason for that is that they need to be able to have, like, one, the customizability. But really, what he says, the main reason is so that they can fork in case something goes wrong. Whereas if you're on Ethereum, you, you couldn't fork away. Um, and in the post, he mentions the SVM as the best code base that he's seen and that he's considering right now Solana's SVM and also Cosmos. But at the end of the day, he points towards Solana being where he thinks MakerDAO should build new chain for a few reasons. And one of those is just the community. So he, he mentions, you know, what happened with FTX. You've seen that community actually grow stronger and just all the talent there, knowing that they're going to continue to build, build out the SVM and also like the tooling and the infrastructure. I think the main point some people missed is he notes at the end of his post that he likes the SVM because it's live and working today. Whereas you have something like the rollups, which are great, and there's some out there, but they're all in training wheels, right? They all, very few of them actually have proofs enabled. We don't have validity proofs. Um, they're all on training wheels right now, essentially like you were talking about base. Um, pretty sure there's nothing there um, in place from base just shutting off the chain immediately, which I think is fine if you if you know that. But if you're somebody like MakerDAO or even an institution, like you want to see something that's working today. And I think that's why Rune... Which him just acknowledging the SVM, I think one just shocked everybody in Ethereum. It was like, oh no, we have this person from our ecosystem. And I don't know if you saw Kane's post, Kane from Synthetics. He had a post and he was actually talking about how they may eventually launch an app chain as well. Um, I think it's just to have, once you grow so big, you're thinking about this customizability. But I'm curious, like, what are you, what are your thoughts on, on Rune's post? And it, again, it's just another acknowledgement of Solana being this like, shelling point beyond ethereum and people are acknowledging like that the tech that's been built there is extremely compelling yeah there's a lot of takeaways from rune's post and i didn't read too deeply into the actual proposal itself i just saw his post and and like like this points and on why spm and whatnot and again there's multiple aspects to this but the one i find most interesting is the overton window shifting Right, you have Rune from MakerDAO. For those people who don't know MakerDAO, MakerDAO is like an OG Ethereum protocol. Like it's about one of the earliest ones. Uh, they're behind the Dai stablecoin as well. Like um, actually, a few of my friends from school uh, got their starts in crypto at, at MakerDAO. So like MakerDAO is, and now they're like um, they have their own crypto startups, uh, like Lucas Manuel and and, and Charles Saint Louis. Um, and it's it's we always talk about the OGs kind of maybe setting the ground or setting the playing fields for like some of the narratives that we see today. And so seeing Rune talk about Solana and not just talk about it, but actually say like, well, I'll, I will literally move my, some part of my code base to use the SVM because it's like, you know, it has property X and it's actually pretty good. Um, that's just the social shock. And you can kind of see it from the responses. Like if you look, 
if you look at the uh, maybe that meme, like, okay, very nice. Now look at the quote <laughs> tweets. And if you look at the quote tweets, and uh, like some people are like kind of uh, maybe in denial. Some people are like, um, some people are actually happy that it validates the uh, app chain thesis. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are obviously Solana bulls. And then there's some like people who are like, why not just use rollups for this? Why not just use rollup, sovereign rollups, whatnot? And like, but I mean, he says it kind of right there, which is that they haven't been battle tested. Right, Solana has been battle tested. Uh, actually, I, I don't want to say more than Ethereum, but I think like, given the timeline, like for how long Solana's been around and how how long Ethereum's been around, Solana's only been around during high periods, uh, high activity periods in crypto. Right, they launched in uh, like two two and a half ish years ago and straight into like high volume, and like you kind of have these engineers trying to fix the bugs in the system in production while you're getting like insane amounts of volume, right? Like NFT summer, DeFi mm-hmm. summer. Yeah. Um, and and um, like and, and like you also have all these community externalities that have happened. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure I can even list them. There's been at least over six or seven. And so battle tested is maybe even understatements. Like you, we know that the system, both technologically, but also socially will hold up. And, and, and like, we have proof of this. Like, I mean, PithNet, for example, is Pith, which is like an Oracle network. They're developing their own solution on something called PithNet, which is like a fork of the SVM. Um, and so I just, again, the, the the part that interests me the most about this is the the Overton window slowly shifting, mm-hmm. Yeah. right? Um, if this leads to like maybe a few more people from Ethereum considering Solana, that will lead more people to uh, consider Solana, and then you kind of have this flywheel starting off with this with this momentum. Um, and but like I mean, just putting tribalism and whatnot aside, and there's aside. Uh, I mean, it just does the job, right? Like the SVM is is had the benefit of the doubt or had the benefit of hindsight in it saw where Ethereum or the EVM came short, right? Like the global fee markets maybe aren't so great, single trading is maybe not so great. Um, it, it learned from the mistakes there, and then it built a more efficient VM by people who have been doing this their entire lives, right? Totally, Greg, et cetera. Like these guys are um, first and foremost uh, engineers, right? Like one, one thing that um, I personally was drawn to about Solana is that I'm a, I'm a very big proponent of like theory comes after practice as opposed to practice comes after theory. And I think Solana kind of embodies that well. Like we have people in the core engineering team who like write code, iterate in, in like testnet, whatever, and, and have like 20, 30 years of experience even writing these systems. It's all they've done, just make systems faster. Whereas Ethereum is a bit more research oriented. And like when you have theory before and you maybe iterate on theory before practice, you start missing some gaps. Uh, and when, especially when designing something as hands-on as a VM, and so, like, that is to say, um, it is, you know, never mind the the, the social shift. It's also just a, a, a good play tech-wise, and I think Rune sees that. Uh, and, like, he wouldn't have made that decision otherwise. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too. The end game is, like I said, it's like a three- to five-year project uh, by Rune. And, like, we all know projects last longer. They take longer than you plan ahead of time. But I think that goes well when you hear Anatoly talk about Solana. Like, if he talks about if you're not building your blockchain or your layer one or your virtual environment to scale with compute, bandwidth, and hardware improving, then, like, you're not really scaling. And that's one reason I think, like, defaulting to the SVM 
not knowing how long this project is going to take is something that you can actually count on because you know that you don't know where compute, you don't know where everything's going to be in five years, but you know that Solana is building around that. Like that's almost Solana's pure purpose is like we want to scale with hardware and as GPUs and CPUs and the number of cores improve, like we want to be able to scale with that. So he talks about like you can spend all the time you want on an algorithm to speed up consensus or make these tweaks. But like if you're not actually scaling with hardware, all those little tweaks are going to be marginal at the end of the day in like five years. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's yeah. pretty exciting. Yeah, um... He, I think, was it on this, uh, was it on our podcast where he talks about like his time at Qualcomm where he would like write all these like efficient optimizations to the software, but then it would take like two years. And then by that time, like the Moore's Law would kick in and then the code he wrote was like useless. Yeah. And so he had to not rewrite it again. And so like you you need to really make sure that the code that you're writing in blockchains with, with like longer time horizons really needs to work with hardware and like. Anyway, so I think you put it well there. One of the questions is like, if Solana is scaling with hardware, every other blockchain can do this, right? And we actually asked Anatoly that. But I think the difference is like Solana is focused on this at every single stage of the pipeline. Whereas if you're not doing that, you're just focusing on like, say, stage two of five, you're going to be bottlenecked to one of those. And it's exactly what Solana is optimizing for. Theoretically, it's easy to say, but it's hard to implement in practice. Um, and you can see that with just like the amount of time Solana puts into this. But um, I think it's really exciting. You saw like Nick White, who we're a huge fan of. He's on the show. He said that this is uh, bullish for the SVM, bearish for monolithic chains. I am curious to see what what you uh, have to say about that. I have some thoughts. Um, but yeah, what do you think? Um, well, so I'll first reject the premise that they're called monolithic chains. And I'll, okay. nice. I'll, I'll encourage everyone to call them integrated chains which is historically the correct term. Um, so, sorry, what did he say? He said uh, bullish SVM bearish, bearish monolithic. Yeah, exactly. So he's, he's essentially saying, yeah, they think the SVM is great, but they decided to build their own app chain, um, which goes into like the Celestia's whole playbook. Um, I think it's probably, I'll need to maybe think about that a bit more, but I, I'm not sure why it would be bearish for integrated chains. I mean, it's bullish for integrated chains in that i mean at the end of the at the end of the day these are open source software right like these are software systems and if people like parts of it and they want to use it in some other way and maybe they improve the systems and then maybe that gets contributed back to the svm or something that's pretty bullish for the integrated systems as well right so i mean if it doesn't i mean like we already saw this with dydx i think dexes and maybe some of these um highly financialized use cases that's like maybe one of the only things we've seen that actually work with app chains uh, and, and where it makes sense to potentially consider an app chain. But stepping um, back a little bit, I, I'm just not sure how it could be bearish because, I mean, first, I think the most important part here was in, in this context was the social aspect, right? Which is that people just had like an allergy or like an ick towards Solana and, 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 and integrated chains and, and their code base and, and, and just entire perspective around these things. And now with like Shopify, Visa, Maker, that is slowly shifting. And so now I think that was the biggest bottleneck. Like if, I mean, the, the tech has always been much better than anything else on the market today. I'm not sure if that remains forever. Obviously it probably won't because that's just not how tech works. You need to, compete over a long period of time. But the biggest problem with Solana currently, or in the last few months, or maybe even a year, has been the social aspect. And so now that the social aspect is slowly improving, and and, and also like the tech is also improving, right? Like it's like, there, there used to be outages or block, or uh, what, what did the block call them? Uh, prolonged uh, block <laughs> production stalls or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and now we don't have those. And now 
I mean, like, obviously, uh, being the co-founder of Helios, we've hosted some very high activity mints on the chain, which did not affect the chain at all. But before, like, the local fee markets and, uh, like, Quick, for example, uh, these things would have, like, really hurt the chain. And so, like, now the tech has been improving all this time, but now the social layer has improved um, or and continuously improving. Like, I think David from Bankless just asked a question yesterday, like, what is Solana's solution to the state problem, state growth problem? Um, which is a good question to ask, but it also signals that, hey, like these people are actually thinking about the SVM and, and Solana more now. It's more of the mainstream conversation, right? Like what, what CNBC changed, like uh, took out like Litecoin or something and put like Solana's price, which maybe time. isn't that good. It's about time though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah, on so, Bankless, like, Bankless has had like three Solana episodes in the last like three weeks. I don't know what the, there's obviously some strategy behind that. One thing is they're just noticing that people want to hear about it. But two, I think they're like, okay, we don't want to give up this ecosystem. Like this is a big community that like we'd love to capture. And obviously they're Ethereum focused, but you've noticed that. And Mike Ippolito from Blockworks was on there and he talks about the conversions to different ecosystems. But he talked about, again, Cosmos, Ethereum, and Solana. So it's quite interesting to see, like you said, the Overton window shift on what's being acknowledged. And it wouldn't be such a big deal if Solana didn't act like almost implode just, you know, not even a, not even a year ago. Right. Or like just around a year ago, I was talking to some Solana DeFi devs actually filling in for you because you were too busy, you know, gallivanting around Europe. Um, and we were talking about like the messaging for Solana. And as we got into it, it's like I've actually I haven't been in this industry that long. I've like paid attention since 2017. I've never seen an ecosystem, one, get so much hype, then absolutely crater, which has happened all the time in crypto, right? You've seen a ton of projects get hype in crater. But then like the community actually staying together, well, those that actually care and are building the software, I would say the community is even building more. You're hearing Solana's name appear everywhere. You have Visa, the Shopify integration. I mean, Helium, Deepin, it's like not only are they, it's not a copy pasta of Ethereum in the sense that like you had Avalanche get hot for a while, right? And they're still around. Um, but it's something brand new, just like Deepin or focusing on clubs and like consensus at the speed of light in the global state. And if you listen to even like I'm, I'm researching Avalanche right now because we're going to talk to them, their lead developer says that if you could build a global state, a single global state, that that's actually the optimal way to build a blockchain. So it's not, is that the best way? It's just, is it possible? And right now that's what Solana is focused on. So I'm with you. I think it's really exciting. I do not think this is uh, bearish for integrated chains at all. I'm going to go on a really, really quick tangent, Mert. And then you can sure. you can butt in because I have this analogy that I don't think anyone cares about, but I think it's great. It's it's literally in 2019, the D to C, which is direct to consumer um, industry, just exploded. The whole thought was by going direct to consumer, you can have your own website. First of all, the reason you could do this now is because you had tooling like easy websites to build. You had logistics that you could plug into. It's basically the supply chain to be a store was modularized. Whereas in the past, if you wanted to sell something, you pretty much had to go to Walmart. So you can almost think about this in crypto is like right now we're seeing these modular frameworks being built out that enable you to go D to C. Right. And the reason why these companies went D to C was a few reasons. One, to save costs on like markups by selling through a retailer like Walmart. Um, the other reason is like you can collect your consumer data. You can have like full customizability of how you actually do the selling process, how you do your messaging. Um, a lot of really good selling points. Right. You also have to do all of your marketing. Like everything sounded great, but 99% of these companies failed and they failed for one reason. They couldn't actually get customers. They couldn't get liquidity. So instead, you probably heard that quote that 30% of all VC funds that were raised by D2C companies went to Facebook and Google. And like, why did they go to Facebook and Google? Because those are the aggregators. That's where the demand is. That's where the liquidity is. And you have Shopify, which is great. They're arming the rebels, right? Like they enable you. I, I think Shopify is almost these modular frameworks that you can have kind of like 
Eclipse or something like Optimism. These companies started struggling with like customer support. They started struggling with actually building that trust. Like when you buy from Amazon, you know that you're going to get it in two days. And if you don't, you can say, I didn't get it. And they refund you, right? Like you can't actually get this trust on a DDC brand on a random website. And that's very similar to something with like a Solana integrated chain versus something that just pops up and is a standalone app chain. I think a few will do it. I think most applications will actually try to launch their own app chain. They may not try to launch it, but they're going to research it. One reason is because their token will probably pump, right? Like if you're a token holder and you're like, oh, we're going to build our own app chain. Like if you're Uniswap, like, oh shit, we're going to get all of this MEV now. Uh, like, this is going to be great. This could change over time, but we saw Compound try to do this, right? They tried to do it on, they, they tried to launch their own chain. I think it was actually on Polkadot. Um, DYDX is a unique example. Like we've talked about, there are examples where you could use an app chain. But anyways, the whole point was, I think this is very similar to the D2C thing aggregators, which is where the liquidity, where the users are, often they're the ones that not only build all this value, but are able to capture it. And I just think that's something like the Solana, the L1, probably liquid staking providers, a few wallets that end up dominating. It's just going to be extremely hard for an application to actually get users to come over and to get that liquidity. And that, that's just my take there that I think maybe people can, can learn from. And to polish it off, you're even seeing this now with Shopify, who is arming the rebels, is now teaming up with Amazon because the trust and the brand and the logistics that Amazon has, whereas Shopify had its whole logistics, um, they built it out, right? They invested billions of dollars into having logistics so that if you're a business, you can just plug in. Think about that like plugging into a sequencer. Well, they ended up saying that that's extremely hard. It costs a whole lot. And it's not extremely efficient when you're not a vertically integrated company like Amazon is. So now they're actually enabling Buy With Prime on all their Shopify stores so that Users like me and you, when we go to these stores, we actually can tap into that like trust and brand and efficiency that you get from Amazon. And I think that same thing will happen with Solana. And you could see that like the SVM maybe plugging into Solana so that you can have trust minimize um, soul from you know place to place. Or maybe that's going to be settlement. I don't know what it'll be. I just think there's a lot of lessons to learn from what's happening in other industries that apply to us. And like, there's no doubt app chains are great in theory, but they're going to be really hard to execute on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's... I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of analogies, but that's not a bad one. I mean, <laughs> uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. And there's certainly some similar parallels. I mean, uh, by the way, as an aside, Amazon is just an absolute beast of a, of a company. I'm, that is like the one company I try to take so many lessons from. But um, I think, yeah, like you put it well there. And one thing that is super, uh, I, don't, I don't know if, I, if the right word is interesting, but like this, this modular talk, um, is is just so interesting to me because like i think somebody tweeted the other day about like there will be like thousands of chains in the future or something like that and i was like what the hell is that about um <laughs> like that's uh, uh like it just it just feels like building web 2 in a yeah. slower way because the the in my view and people will disagree on this but that's fine the globally shared state is like a very key future of a blockchain right mm -hmm. for example the visa thing if that wasn't a globally shared state, if it was just a bunch of different app chains connecting together, you have now invented how the financial system works already, which is all these independent jurisdictions that have to kind of bridge between each other. And then that's why everything just takes so long and is inefficient and like people keep taking fees everywhere. You do not want that. If you can, you want a globally shared state. That's a killer future of blockchains. And um, I, I, anyways, like that, that part I don't get. But okay. Maybe even a more obvious point is, okay, imagine you're a startup or imagine you're a company. Why would you, or imagine you're an investor in a startup, okay? Let's say you have your own money, your angel investing or something, and you want to, you, you find the team and 
this team is like, you know what? We're actually going to launch on our own app chain. And it's a seed stage company. And you're like, wait a minute, but you don't have a product. Like, you, do you even have users yet? Why are you launching your own app chain? And they may be like, well, to capture more value or something like that. And it's like, well, you haven't created any value yet. Why? What, what will you be capturing exactly? Right? Like, I don't, I don't understand the, 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 the train of thought that goes into these things. I think app chains are like pretty interesting to consider once you're an established company that creates value, right? Like DYDX, um, I think, what is it? It's DYDX 4, like V4 or yeah, something. Yeah, like yeah. It, that's, that's probably the most interesting part about that integration is V4, right? It's not V1, it's not V2, it's not V3, it's V4. Um, and the reason is because the, the biggest bottleneck in crypto right now is a lack of useful applications. Yeah. People who are actually trying to solve problems with solutions, talking to users, deploying stuff, and iterating on the product's lifecycle. We just don't have that. And now, while we already don't have that, this the proposal is to actually focus even less on products and more on infrastructure and app chains. I just don't, like, I, I feel like I'm going crazy sometimes. Like, <laughs> I mean, just, just plug into an existing system, right, that scales elastically, that you don't have to worry f about fees. It is decentralized. It is secure. Other big companies now use it. Just build something on it, iterate. If you are finding that you're getting shafted by fee captures or something after you've already established PMF or something, then maybe you, an app chain will work better for you. Maybe an app rollup will work better for you. But at first, it's bizarre to think that you should do anything other than just talk to your users, get out something, iterate on it, et cetera, et cetera. I just, this injury just uh, continues to, uh, I don't even know what to name it. You see people like Kane had his post. He mentioned an app chain and the people go crazy on Twitter being like, did you see his post? He's talking about an app chain. I told you. It's like, this is the most obvious thing we've been talking about for a long time. Like these big brands are going to be talking about launching an app chain at some point, whether they do it or not, because that's just what businesses do. I mean, Amazon, great business, right? Great strategy. They launched a phone. Why did they launch a phone? Because like you can't help yourself. Like, and did it work? No. And like, for most people, it's not going to. I just, to me, it's like, I think there's just so few narratives in general around the blockchain space that we talk about these same things over and over. But yeah, like maybe let's just get back to applications. But that's why payments to me is so exciting for Solana because that is one of the only use cases that we can point to right now. And like, that can be a killer use case. And I don't exactly know how it's always going to be used. But like, if, again, if I wanted to send money to someone in Mexico, I could do that today on USCC so easily, right? I can't do that otherwise. And so like, that's a real use case. And if Solana can find a way to become like the payment network platform. To me, that's just going to attract like new institutions, new developers, new apps who, who launch new tokens. And a lot of those will fail, but like you want more and more of those. So eventually some of them work. Um, so anyways, I think it's exciting. The Shopify integration is awesome because that could be really huge in the future. I do want to say just because I was a little bit fooled, it's not a partnership. It is like, it's an open app integration where you can create a plugin, right? It's not that Solana and Shopify actually partnered together on this, but Shopify did approve this plugin. And now these, Merchants can actually use it, which I think is really, really cool. Do you think there's anything else to focus on on this? I mean, the Visa, Shopify, or payments? Um, I think the payment stuff is something I've been talking about um, on on X.com. And uh, I am I am actually quite good at calling it X.com instead of Twitter now. I, I don't even use the word Twitter anymore. I can't so. do it. It's always Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, Elon will give me extra monetization. <laughs> Um, so the payment stuff is super interesting because, uh, like I said, um, and I, I mean, I, I don't want to talk about myself too much no, here, do it. but, Put it out there. um, 
it, it is something I have worked on in varying um, uh, levels of finance. So I started with the big banks in Canada where I helped write code that moves money, um, but not like the actual code that moves money because that's like antiquated, like COBOL mainframe. Cobalt, that is right? just, yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> bizarre. Um, but like, I mean, for example, I work for like a FinTech that um, we, we actually built like a virtual card and the card would be required for like, it's like a cashback card if you're an entrepreneur and whatnot. And you can kind of see all the different problems with with payments when you kind of work on those systems. And I actually worked at Coinbase, right, where we, um, uh, you know, uh, fund movements, the team I was on would um, like uh, do transaction histories that you see on the Coinbase app or like settle the trades that you make on the Coinbase app. And then most recently I was in Solana and, and I'm obviously still in Solana. And the difference is just crazy to me. Like as a developer, no, in no other time in history, have you been able to just get a laptop or, I mean, you know, you don't even really need a laptop. You can just use your phone's code editor browser or something. You write a few lines of code, like Solana's Web3 JS library or something, and you can move millions of dollars at light speed for free uh, and with basically zero hassle. Mm. And that's it. You can you can do that, right? And and you can build applications that other people can use, and they'll run forever on the blockchain. And the so that's that's like that's crazy to me. Uh, I feel like the way that we message as developers has been a complete failure. Uh, but like if they just understood that instead of changing the you know your Shopify uh, stores buttons or something like that, like the color of the buttons, you can actually write code that moves millions of dollars around. Like that that's uh, it feels awesome. more uh, yeah. impactful. But um, this actually ties in well to, and, and I talked about this earlier, the payment stuff is only really possible or not possible, but it, it's really the most efficient with a global state, right? Um, a few weeks ago, I believe there was a post about like um, when you pay somebody with Apple Pay or like MasterCard or something, it like takes like a few seconds or like milliseconds. And it's like... Um, uh, and it's like great UX, like how can you beat that possibly? But it's actually the wrong comparison. Um, first of all, in Solana, the confirmation times are like 400 MS, if you can see from the USDC APIs. So that's already actually pretty close. Like when you actually pay with a credit card, chances are it's not going to go through in 400 milliseconds. Like I was just paying somebody with my you know uh, MasterCard today and I tapped and it took like two, three seconds, whatnot. So it's actually not even that good right now, I would mm. say. Um, but it's actually the wrong comparison, right? Um, Solana or a blockchain is actually, or in the case of Visa, they're using it as a settlement layer, right? And settlement is kind of the last part of finance when you make a payment. And you can kind of see this with apps like GetCode, uh, or not GetCode, they're just called Code, but their Twitter handles GetCode. Um, with the, the way traditional payments work is, let's say you tap your Apple Pay watch or whatever. It just, it, it, it checks to see if you have the money. Uh, it checks to see if you have authorization. It checks maybe some fraud things, like if you're just simultaneously spent in like multiple countries at the same time or something. Um, and it does like these checks, and then it says it goes through. Um, but it, not in all cases does it actually go through. It the actual physical movement of the funds doesn't happen for sometimes up to 48 hours, right? And so that's actually what you're competing against if you're Solana. Right. Whereas on Solana, the actual movement of funds happens in 400 MS. But if you really want to um, say like it's like hard finalized, maybe like a few seconds. Um, and now if that wasn't if that wasn't a globally shared state, then you have the problem of roll ups. And like if in the case of ORUs, you have the 30 withdrawal period 
with ZKs, depending on obviously your your entire payment stack is not going to be on one ZK. Probably it'll probably have to land on somewhere else. Maybe you have different jurisdictions that you want to work with, like bridges. All those are going to introduce delays. And so like payments is actually this interesting use case that's really only feasible on Solana. I know I used to say like only possible on Solana and there's obviously still cases that work with that. Yeah, but only feasible on Solana is, 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 or at least only feasible on Solana at this current period in, in time. Um, and that's why like payments, I'm super excited about it. And like, there's so many sweet teams on Solana that build on this, right? Like there's code, there's tip link, which like you just literally send the link and then you claim it, that's it. There's Otter, which is ex uh, Cash App folks, right? So that's obviously like a um, good validation that ex Cash App folks are like, wait a minute, if you want to use build a startup uh, on, on payments, we're going to use Solana. It's like, okay. And then like previously had a product at Venmo. They're also, they have a, a company called Mezzo Network, which does off and on ramps. Um, there's like Decaf, like all these insane, like, and obviously Solana Pay, all these insanely talented, like payments talents are slowly coming to Solana. Um, and I think like, if you can focus on that vertical a bit more and, and tell the story a bit better, um, obviously like, regulation and stuff will, will slow this down or cause some uh, friction. But but also something that people don't really think about, which something is recently I've been playing with, is that really the biggest barrier to payments so far hasn't maybe been the tech, but it's been the fact that on-ramps and off-ramps, right? Like, But but Solana, if Solana is going to be the deep in chain, that means you actually earn crypto right on the chain itself, right? So you can imagine you're somebody that has a hotspot in Helium or maybe HiMapper, you actually earn your money directly on chain, right? So there's no KYC or, or off on ramp. And then you can use Jupiter to swap to USDC. And then now that's it. Now you can spend the money, right? That's actually a very, that's a very interesting use case of composability where the chain, the global state enables you, people to earn crypto directly on the chain. And then you can also spend it directly on the chain as well without doing weird bridges and all that sort of stuff. Like, I hope there's two different use cases, at least for payments in the sense that if you're B2B, if you're like making international e-commerce payments or your Airbnb who operates in like 220 countries and like 80 currencies, like you obviously have, a, if you can save 1%, if you can save less than that, like you're going to do it, right? As long as it's not like skirting the law, because it's a lot of money to you. People like me and you every day, like it's not going to make a huge difference. It's not every day part of our lives, but like what is, is something, is something like Venmo, which a lot of those teams are working on Solana. Um, I think the big thing is like somehow having a default way that you can pay or receive USCC. Cause like say my Venmo balance at first, I didn't even put money in there similar to what you were saying on and off ramps, but I had other people pay me. And over time that balance just built up. And then I was like, okay, this is actually a useful app. Like I'm paying other people with these Venmo dollars, but I never actually funded that myself. It's just, I got in situations where people paid me. And I think that's what crypto needs to find either through like an application or whatever it might be is that people don't actually even all have to onboard themselves. I mean, there's airdrops and so forth, of course, but it's like, no, you're just getting paid out for whatever it may be in here. And then you can play around with it. And I think that would be the huge thing for payments. Um, and you don't really see this in Ethereum today. I mean, I, I might just be missing it, but that's probably just because of the fees, layer twos, like mm -hmm. you said, they're not really proved out yet. I think the main thing is just, if you're a big company, you're dealing with payments, you want to do something that's live and operational. And I think Solana might be the best place for that. Um, mm -hmm. We've been talking about Solana DeFi 2.0. And actually, Mert, I need your help here because I think we need to like, Solana DeFi 2.0 is great, but I, I did not necessarily like the answer of when we asked people like what it meant. I'm um, thinking for like a narrative for Solana, right? And like when we asked, it's like, oh, it's DeFi essentially after FTX, like everything after FTX. Um, 
that may make sense on a timeline basis. I don't think that's a really great marketing spiel. Um, I do like, for example, how Tristan talked about like back in the day in 2020, our protocol was held together by silly string. And like we had too many users, essentially, like, <laughs> like we, we as developers weren't ready for it. It's saying now like our protocol is 10 times better, but the hard part is getting these users. So I think you hear the term Solana DeFi 2.0. And to me, it just really means like, hey, for the first time, you actually have teams that are completely focused and ready for new users to come on. The only difference is it's like Solana is this guy that's been working out all summer and then it hit winter there's no he can't he, he can't show any results yet so we gotta we gotta work we gotta work for the next season to come around but like the fact is that they're ready so i don't know what, what are your thoughts on solana DeFi 2.0 yeah um <laughs> that's that's a fun analogy um i think so solana DeFi 2.0 is since it's like an organic term and it's not like top down from some marketing agency it's obviously a little uh overloaded I think some people use it to mean like Solana 2.0 is actually Solana, but without the low float, high FTV tokens, uh, which were predatory and maybe propped up by like some of the uh, like Alameda's of the world, right? So now with Solana DeFi 2.0, retail can actually use DeFi without getting wrecked by these massive whales. Um, and then like what Tristan and Mario said, which is that, well, actually now we have better tooling. We know what we're, we've learned our lessons. We are ready. This chain is ready, right? Because uh, these DeFi teams uh, went through some stress when the chain would like uh, have performance issues, and they're like, "Wait a minute, like, like, what do I do? Uh, what can I do? Like, because uh, the transactions won't go through, and we have to spam, etc." Um, so there's that. But probably this is what they mean, in my view, is that um, a lot of the activity in in, in DeFi in Ethereum or like the TVL talks is really due to like a few major protocols and them actually having tokens. Right, like Uniswap's token, uh, like most of those big big companies or protocols have tokens. Solana, not so much. I mean, there is like Bonk essentially, which is like a fun community coin, mm-hmm. which I still I, I really like Bonk, uh, <laughs> but like it's not a DeFi token, right? It's not from yeah. a protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like there's a lot of upside in Solana DeFi because when these protocols do release tokens, and they will, I'm assuming like it, it'd be super unlikely that none of them release tokens. Um, then you're going to have more activity on chain. You have more upside, you're going to have more TVL and you have like now these point systems, uh, which like margin and others are playing around with to maybe like see how, um, like to iterate, it's like a low cost way of iterating, um, and still rewarding your early users. And so it's, it's really just this maybe combination of new tokens, uh, new tokens that are not predatory. And also lessons learned with a better chain and better developer tooling combined into one. Um, maybe the fourth one is the the liquid staking thing that people have been talking about. Yeah, which yeah. is that Solana, um, I think, has like a very low ratio of liquid stake tokens to to state tokens. Right, like there's a lot of people who stake tokens on Solana, but they don't necessarily do like activities with liquid stake tokens. Whereas on Ethereum, which is actually causing problems to Lido, there's a ton of that. Um, and now. That seems to be a pretty big focus for most of the teams I've I've seen, like Jito, Marinade. Uh, uh, there's like a something called Sanctum there's, now, which there's Lido you... in there too, but they're uh, they're hurting. Yeah. Just just to get you on your numbers, I think like the there's seventy percent of Soul is staked, but only three percent of that staked Soul is in LSTs. Whereas on Ethereum, you have twenty one percent of ETH staked, so the number is much lower. But of the ETH staked, forty five percent of it is actually liquid staked. So forty five percent. 
is liquid stake compared to 3% on Solana. And like the whole thing is, what's the best asset to have as collateral in DeFi? It's really usually the LST of the native asset of your network, which is ETH and Ethereum, Sol and Solana. So you have like Gito Sol, you have Lido, you have Marinade. Uh, Marinade has like 102 million TVL, Lido is 48, Gito Sol is 32. From Lido, they're actually talking about potentially sunsetting the protocol, which I think is really interesting in just the sense that it's really hard to bring a brand from like the Ethereum ecosystem where Lido completely dominates over to Solana, where you had somebody already over there like Marinade, and then somebody that's native to Solana, which is Gito. And Gito, a lot of people just know Gito through their MEV client. Um, but now they have Gito Soul, which is like a liquid staking token. And it's only at 32 million. So compared to Marinade, it's it's much less. But just um, in June, they only had 600,000 stake soul. And then today they have 1.6 million. So like the growth is absolutely insane. But but Lido is actually going through this thing and they say, OK, we only have two options. We're running out of money. So either the Lido down needs to give us X amount of money over the next couple of months or we're actually going to sunset the protocol. And Lido just last month, the team that's leading Lido on Polkadot shut down the developer efforts there. So it's really interesting to see that somebody as like dominant as Lido in Ethereum isn't actually able to make it to other chains. Because you often ask in our interviews, like when you're looking for new users and projects, do you focus on new teams and users? Or are you looking for projects from other um, chains so like Ethereum? And this is one case where it just shows that brand is actually really hard to bring over to a new chain. Like being native to Solana actually matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it absolutely matters. Um, and this is something, this is probably my earliest thesis that I have uh, in crypto, really, which is that I saw all these teams during the summer, or maybe not during the summer, but right after the summer where things were getting harder, uh, start moving chains uh, to maybe get marginally more users. And I was like, wait, what? Like, even in like Web2, if, you, if you're if you migrating tech stats, it's going to take you so much time and effort and you're not going to get much out of it other than maybe a short-term pump. And you've seen this, right? Like you tried Polygon, did not work. They literally could not be paid $3 million to move over to a chain because the brand, the chain, it's they're not decoupled. People seem to think like, oh, like blockchains will be fully abstracted. And it's like, okay, maybe in some X amount of years, some applications might be, not all. But it, the reality is right now, they're not going to be. And I always found it crazy that as a team, like a, as a startup, like these, you're, you're basically building on other startups, right? Like Solana is kind of a startup. Uh, L2s are startups. The only thing that's probably not a startup is Ethereum and Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, but like even they change frequently or not Bitcoin, but Ethereum does. And so now you have a company with products on like five chains, let's say. And those chains are constantly iterating and you have to keep up with them. So now you're spread too thin. You can't give the best product experience. Uh, and, and that's just the technical side. On the top of the second side, there's a social side, which is like people have different beliefs on those chains, right? Like a Bitcoin maxi is not going to get along well with like an Ethereum person. Uh, an Ethereum person might get along well with a Solana person, but maybe not a monetary person. Like there's different cultures to these things, which is super interesting. We should probably do an episode on that. But um, it's just super. I think the only case where it makes sense personally is like a wallet. Uh, if you think of yeah. wallets as like digital passports to different nations, like that makes sense. Or maybe like a very small vertical um, mm. that you have for yourself, like maybe like fine art or something like that could work. But if you're working with like very advanced technical infrastructure stuff like liquid staking, that's feels like it's going to be difficult, uh, especially yeah. because now you're getting trolled on Ethereum for having too, too much success there. Um, so anyway. You see that with MetaMask. So they have MetaMask Snaps. So MetaMask obviously works across EBM chains, but now they have Snaps and you can somehow plug into apps that are on Solana and other chains, which is really cool. But um, anyways, I I we're in the deep end. So if you made it to, to this part, um, 
thanks for staying. Mer, maybe we can. Um, I'm just thinking to close it out. Tell us something about what's uh, either something you're paying attention to in crypto, or maybe outside of it. I give the audience a little inside track to Mert. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I have been. So I, I want to talk about myself. I can kind of maybe talk about some ideas I've been thinking about. Um, one is the. So I think like something that's been on my mind for a while is this messaging of blockchains to people who aren't in crypto. Um, I've been kind of on like a little Mediterranean travel uh, itinerary thing for the last like week. And I've kind of, uh, it, it kind of gives you good perspective into like how much people don't know about tech. Um, funny enough, like some people, there was like some random like Bitcoin exchanges and whatnot, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but like there, there's so many like merchants that I saw that like, like would hate you if you want to pay with like a credit card for like a $2 transaction. Cause like, uh, it would into their margins like pretty heavily. I know people think like maybe it's for tax reasons, but it's like, I mean, I don't think it's for tax reasons if it's $2, right? Like I think at that mm -hmm. point, they're just like literally losing money to service you. And that's like pretty unacceptable. And, and it's like, okay, well, there's a clear solution to this, which is, which is crypto right like uh less margins less less middle or better margins less middlemen better fees etc and so then there was also this thing with uh creator league i believe from mr beast or something where um some 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 gamer guy i mean i don't really know my gamers but and that's probably a good thing uh and uh he he was he he like uh this like he distanced himself from like the creator league thing because he found out, oh, well, the technology that uses like uses NFTs or something. And for some reason that was like a cardinal sin for him. Uh, you know, not sure why, like it's, it's, it's a, it's a entry on a public ledger that has a pointer to some metadata, probably an image. That's what it is. <laughs> you don't need to, you don't need to get angry about it. Uh, and, and, and so then it's like, I kind of put those together. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, I mean, everybody knows crypto is hard to understand, but like, this messaging part is really getting annoying because we're like, we're messaging and we're focused on like, like proto dank sharding four, eight, four, four, or, or something like bizarre like that, which obviously to be fair, it's internal to the community, but people out there don't even know what like Ethereum is like, I mean, I know some people might find out how to believe but they actually don't right. The mass, the vast majority of the world don't. Um, Get alone Solana. I mean, if I said Solana, people would be like, what? Like, they probably think I'm speaking like Spanish. Mm. Um, and, and so something that's super important going forward is going to be how to message this simpler without ridiculous jargony terms to to just everyday people and how, how it can help them. And so, like, I was thinking about, like, you know, you, you kind of have the personal computers, right? Like PCs I, by IBM. Because, like, the way it worked is... Um, when computers first started, it was only in like big, big companies because computers were super expensive and clunky. But then IBM started iterating and they're like, okay, actually now we have the PC, the, the personal computers, you can actually take it home. But like now maybe you can have com community computers, right? Like CCs or something like that, where you can compute or perform interesting consensus in, in computations. Obviously that's at a low level with entire communities. And maybe you can use that to bootstrap networks. And so, like that goes into maybe DAOs and network states, or I know we had an episode on uh, uh, by why governance uh, needs to be sexier or something. <laughs> yeah, hornier yeah, yeah. actually, um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that is like a pretty underexplored area. Yeah. Um, 
so you know i've just been thinking a lot about how to message this better and i i don't have a great answer yet but what i do know is that everybody needs to work on it in my view like it, it can't just be like a marketing agency or um somebody's like comms departments it can't that that just can't work everybody needs to write uh you know use mirror.xyz or something substack beehive whatever it is write your thoughts i i posted a tweet the other day about like uh by paul graham and it, i think it was something like somebody who's never written down something about an idea has never will never find non-trivial insights about it or something like that or has never thought about it non-trivially and that's mm-hmm. totally true, right? Because you never really understand the gaps in your ideas unless you write them down. Yeah. Um, so like even after this podcast, I can go and, and try to write, write some of these thoughts down and realize, wait a minute, some of these thoughts maybe weren't so fully formed. I need to work on them. Um, and that's kind of the same thing here. I think the way that we've done messaging is kind of just like Ponzi's, casinos, tokens, dog coins, yeah. uh, ultrasound money, laser eyes. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Crypto.com sponsoring like UFC or like there's all these like bizarre things, but like really they're community computers that allow for a better internet, mm-hmm. right? Like it's the, the the goal here is to build a better internet and how do we communicate to people? So that's, that's been on my mind um, lately and uh, oh. I'll, I'll keep you guys updated on my progress. The more complicated it can sound right now in crypto, the the more clout you earn. And that's one reason is because the people left in this space are usually really technical. And like you can almost show how technical you are. Whereas like once you actually have users in the space, like that's not how you're going to do well. Right. It's just like it's a very short sighted thing that works um, on your Twitter comment. Yeah, I just want to say the same. I, I wish I actually did long form writing, but I used to be embarrassed about like why I have this thought kind of interesting. Should I tweet it? Should I not? Whereas now I'm just like, look, I look at it as like I'm forming my thoughts here. And you can also put it into the world. And the great thing about Twitter is you get quick feedback. So I think that's something that's really fun about that. Um, and then my last comment on you talking about kind of switching from mainframes to PCs. I think another interesting thing in there is like when the internet was first created, it was created for like researchers, right? Um, and universities and a way for them to like communicate and share research. That at the time, and this is where it was like really technical. I remember there was pushback even adding like inline images to websites because they thought it would take away from like actual research itself. And not, it didn't really reach normies until you had something like the browser and the GUI, right? Where people could actually have a graphical user interface and like have a mouse and something that looks like a trash can and actually drag and drop it into there. Whereas like, if you think about in crypto, people are probably like, sometimes we're like, why would we do this? Like, this is silly. But sometimes you need those things to actually like bring users in. So I think this is probably overstated, but like what is going to be the browser or the GUI for crypto? Because right now it's more in that like research phase where the more technical you are, that's great. And it's it's really fun to push the, the space forward, but like normies don't care. So at some point yeah. we've we've got to get beyond that. But um anyways, Mert, I think this is fun. So anyone that's lasted this long, thank you. This is our first time. Interesting fact, me and Mert have not met, but we're both going to permission last next week. So we'll meet in person there. Um but yeah, Mert, this is fun. It was a really, really, really great week for Solana. I think our podcast today, for anyone that hasn't tuned into it, um, it's basically a Solana DeFi panel. We go into all this and more. So please tune in. Yes, sir. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening uh, to our ramblings, and uh, let, let us know if you have any topics that you'd uh, like to see next on like one of these roundup episodes. Mm-hmm. Anything from uh, um, I don't know Cardano to uh, Solana's inner workings. Just just let us know. Yeah, I think a recurring segment would be fun too. So we'll come up with that. But like, if you guys have anything you'd like to kind of hear um, on a recurring basis, that'd be great. And we never say this, but if you're a listener, hit subscribe. Be huge for us. YouTube, Spotify, whatever it is. So, anyways, we'll see you guys next time.